You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. This week, Ada Margaret uh, lost her last surviving sibling, her, her sister Eva, and uh, we went down to Campbellsville, Kentucky on Wednesday for the funeral. And so let's just lift up the family and Ada Margaret. She's the last of that little clan right there, and uh, we just want to pray God's blessings upon her. Ada Margaret's the baby in the family. Uh, she's 91, getting ready to turn 92 this year. <clears throat> but her, her big sister, her last surviving sister, uh, Eva, was 97. 97, yeah. Amen. So, Father, we just lift up Ada Margaret to you and, and uh, the family uh, of, of Eva, and we just ask that your hand of love and grace would rest upon them and that you would comfort them and that you would uh, give them little glimpses into heaven. Father, I, I, I thank you so often when I hear testimonies of those that have lost loved ones and they, they see them with you uh, in heaven. And I just pray, Father, that you would continue to give Ada Margaret and every one of us who have lost loved ones uh, those little glimpses into heaven to where we can see how things are going with them. And so we bless you, we praise you, we thank you for Ada, we pray your peace and your life upon her heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Lord is absolutely wonderful, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This morning I'm so going in so many different directions that pray for me <laughs> that I can get can get focused. It's uh, it's really fun. I've I've enjoyed the book, The Cure, and today I plan on looking at two faces and and why we wear masks and all that goes with that. But there's just been one thing that the Lord's doing after another. Uh, so let's just look at, uh, in the New Living Translation, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 and chapter 8, just portions, scripture portions of those, beginning at verse 8 of chapter 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we are restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's so true and it's so powerful. For, for some, Lord, it's, it's so wonderful that it's, it's almost too good to be true. I pray, Father, that you would give us a sober mindset today to truly engage and embrace everything that your word tells us about ourselves that is, that is more true than what we believe about ourselves. And so, Father, I pray for a grace for us to come into alignment with what your word tells us from your heart to our hearts, who we are and how you've ordained us to live. May your destiny in each one of us be fulfilled to the glory and praise of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So why do we wear masks? If there's no condemnation, if while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, demonstrating how much the Father loves us, and if he loved us that much when we were being royal stinkers, how much more now that we believe and by faith in the blood of Jesus have received forgiveness of sins and come into that relationship with him where we are his son, we're his daughter, and we can come before him and know him as father without any hindrance, without any fear, without any hesitancy, we can come boldly into the throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done. Why is it that we wear a mask? Huh. Interesting, huh? Each of us usually are tempted to go back after we've known the joy of salvation and put a mask on each time we lose confidence in our new identity. Every time that we don't believe we are who God says we are and the enemy's able to take us back, usually from our past or from a pattern of thinking or behaving, he's able to cause us to think, now, somebody who's a true son and daughter of God probably wouldn't think like that. Or somebody who really, really, really loves Jesus wouldn't behave like that. And so when he highlights our failures and he highlights our, our behavioral problems, our attitudes that need adjusted and all of that, he is trying to focus into a, a place where we, we want to believe it's true, but we don't quite feel like we are there yet. So we put on a mask. <clears throat> Out in the foyer... Everybody I heard that was coming in is doing fine today. How are you? I'm fine. Oh, how are you? I'm fine. And I was just, uh, I was just, you know, going back to the story, and I was thinking of the room of good intentions where everybody is fine, fine you know, and and <laughs> and those are. The, I said, Lord, don't let this be the room of good intentions today, because <laughs> everybody's fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. And we know that oftentimes when we do this, we're just kind of in our culture, and it's just. You know, we're, we're, we're just responding to an acknowledgement of our presence and we're just saying fine because, you know, 
if you really want to know how I'm doing, sit down. Let's take 20 minutes. Let me tell you about my bunion and uh, all the different things that are going on. And, and we can get, but we know that in our culture when we're doing that, we're not really inquiring, you know, as a counselor, how is it with your heart today? Anybody ever heard that question? <laughs> yeah, a few of us have, haven't we? Yeah. So we find that uh, the truth is that when we feel pressure, as, and, and especially as followers of Jesus, once we've tasted forgiveness and once we've tasted salvation, there's almost a, a, a sense that wearing a mask, there, there's, there's some more pressure to wear a mask than if we hadn't. You see people out in the world and they don't have a mask and they just tell you what they think and how they feel and how they feel about you. You know, and they don't mind telling you when you've, you know, ticked them off or anything like that. But we're tempted to put on our mask even more if we haven't trusted in our identity. All of us are tempted to wear a mask when, and then you'll see the list up there, when we want to prove to others that we're worthy of their love. When we want to prove to others that we're worthy of being loved, period. We want to, to others not to feel sorry for us. Don't feel sorry for me, so I'll put on a mask. Yeah. yeah. When, we fear, when we fear if others see us truly, they won't want to know us. That kind of goes back up to the other two, you know. We want them to love us, but if we think if they know us, they won't love us, then we've got to make a presentation of ourselves that will endear us to them, that will cause them want to know us and love us. <laughs> and then if we want to be seen, it's great. Dum -da -da -da. I wrote about greatness in fifth grade. Man alive, I got a following, man, almost like a comic book. I had a superhero that I wrote about pretty much once a week, and everybody couldn't wait for the next episode of Super Rick. Ooh, amazing. You want to you be seen as great, put on a mask. You know, as believers in Christ, additionally, we're tempted to wear a mask when our failures tell us the experiment of grace didn't work. Mm. Is it not up there? Next slide, please. There. When it says our, our failures, grace didn't work. Mm. When we want to prove to God that we're worth his choice to love us. Oh, man. God, you're so lucky you chose me. I'm on your team. You got good taste, God. Yeah. You know you, you needed what I bring to the table. I'm going to make this team even better than what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we believe God wants us to fake it so that he looks good. Oh, man. The time that God 
one of the times that I've heard what is as close to an audible voice I've ever heard is when God said, I want you to turn around and go back and repent. And I said, oh God, you really don't want that. Do you realize how much bad publicity you're getting in the newspapers and the magazines and throughout all the media? You know, this brother's failed and this brother's failed and this brother's failed. Man, if they find out I'm a pastor and I got to go back and that's just going to make you look bad. Yeah. He didn't budge. (laughs) Have you ever got him to change his mind on when he's asking you to repent? I've never been able to, to win on that argument. So I went back and I repented. And... He was merciful and gracious. So good. Yeah. Where am I? What slide am I on? (laughs) When we want God to make our life work and our behavior seems like the price tag. Okay, there we go. Now if I can just see that where it is in my notes. Oh, there it is. Okay. There we go. Yeah, so, so we think that the only way to, to, to really make life work is we've got to figure this out, and it's up to us. It's up to our good behavior. We've got to measure up. The next is when we think God cares more about right behaviors than our trust and dependence on him. Yeah. And many of us, we, we've grown up in a, in a Christianity in a performance-based holiness that it's about saying the right thing and doing the right thing and having the right behavior more than having the right heart and being in a dependent trust, faith relationship with the Lord. When we think we're in competition with others and graded on a spiritual curve, oh, so we do the old comparison. Do the comparison. Well, I might not be number one, but at least I'll be better than so-and-so. Yeah. (laughs) They don't even make it to church, but twice a month. Can you believe that? (laughs) I'm here three out of four. Not bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When our shame makes us believe, we must assuage God's disgust in us. And everybody knows what assage means. (laughs) When we make an unpleasant feeling less intense. When we make an unpleasant feeling less intense. Yeah. We we try to satisfy. Try to to satisfy. Mm, Because he's disgusted with us. So let's try a little harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we, when, we, when we lose confidence in, that, in the reality that he really delights in us, that he loves us, that he has fully accepted us, that he actually, you know, as, as Zephaniah puts it, he, he does backflips over us. He spins, he dances, he, he makes music. He is so delighted in us. But when the enemy's able to get us to look at something that would contradict that, we find that we come oftentimes into a place of agreeing with the wrong being. 
and we agree with the enemy instead of what the Lord says is true about us and how he feels about us. The problem is we've got so many examples of this in our human relationships. Has there ever been anyone in authority who looked at you with displeasure? Disappointment? Disgust? Hmm. And if... And if that person has more of a godly influence in your life, it, it, it has a way of, we, we, we don't do it intentionally, but almost subconsciously we connect the dots and we think, well, that's the way so-and-so felt. I imagine God's pretty close to that. And it gets projected onto the Lord. Mm. The problem is every time we put up a mask, to try to satisfy God or try to ease our pain when we put up our mask and people know us by our mask, we never get to feel the fullness of being loved for who we truly are. We're loved based on the mask. Now, I never quite understood this, but as I was going through this, the Holy Spirit reminded me of, of when I stepped out of full-time ministry as pastor of Living Hope, and as I stepped out of that, and I went from Pastor Rick to Brother Rick. Oh, my stars. I realized nobody loves Brother Rick. Everybody loves Pastor Rick. Well, not everybody. <laughs> but there's more people that love Pastor Rick than who love Brother Rick. It was the most devastating thing I've ever seen. I thought... Oh, this is painful. When we live out of our position, out of our anointing, out of our office or whatever it is, and people don't really get to know us, they only know the, the mask, the way in which we present ourselves, then we really don't receive their love. And what, what I found was that I thought, you know, I want to be loved as Rick. So I, I, I want to just relate to people as Rick. And people still call me Pastor Rick, and I, I understand that's your stuff. Because a lot of people don't want to know the pastor as a human being, brother. They want him to be something else. And I, I found there's a lot of people who won't let me come off of whatever pedestal they put me on. Now, I have no delusions of grandeur, okay? So if there's a pedestal, it might be that big. But, you know, the, the dynamic is, is there are some people in the religious system who do not want to know their pastor as a pastor. They want him to be super. And so they put the mask on me. They want me to wear the mask. I, I can feel pressure sometimes when people want me to put on Pastor Rick mask because Brother Rick might say something he shouldn't or do something what he shouldn't. And we know as long as he's got Pastor Rick on, he's going to be kind and compassionate and merciful. If he takes off that mask, oh my, no telling what he's going to do. And that's why we've got to live in community. We've got to live in community. I thank God for this precious woman that he's given to me. Because we're out, we're out with the granddaughters, all three of the granddaughters. 
10, 8, and 1. Is that right? 10, 8, and 1. Getting ready to be 2. Oh, my stars. And there's one that just has a way of pushing my button. You know? Just pushing my button. And if I have pastor mask on... But when I have son of Dick Francis on, see, my dad, my dad would, he would be merciful, 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 and then a flash of rage, just a a quick flash of of rage. And it would be like, and I didn't know who it was, you know, scare me to death. And I got beat a couple times as a result of that. And in, in my makeup, that's just the way life is. And so my granddaughter, of course, I'm driving the van, so fortunately I can't do anything. But if I could have reached her, oh, if I could have reached her, she would have been in big, big trouble. But my beloved wife is there saying, what would you say? <laughs> it's like, Something to the effect, don't, don't you do that. Don't, don't you go there. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be that way. Well, you're not going to help anything. You're not going to change. You know, it's like, because there, there's, there's a lie that I bought into that says when all else fails, use your rage and everyone will submit. And it's not true but it's a lie, and I've embraced it for a long time. And it's like, oh, God, let me repent of that. that that's not, that's not going to get me where I'm... And I'm so glad I couldn't reach her. So I only had to apologize to God. You know, it's kind of because I, I would have I, I killed her probably. No, not, not quite killed her, but metaphorically. I mean, it was just like... And I realized, Lord, there is something down the generational line in my family that we have these crazy moments of just flash anger. Just flash anger. Most folks don't perceive me as this rageaholic because I got my pastor mask on. No, <laughs> no I don't rage. <laughs> Even when my mask is up, I don't, I don't rage or anything like that. But there is something there's something generationally that's come down. My father's father had it. My father has it. And, I, and every now and then I see flashes of it in me. And it's like, oh, Lord, we need that. If, if, I, if I don't have someone who sees me without my mask, we'd never get that addressed. It would never, never be addressed. Because I'd my mask back on, just be grandpa. And it's like, no. And so, so I apologized and, and repented. And it seems like I'm doing that every week on Sunday. You get to hear my confessions. The confessions of Pastor Rick when his mask is off. Okay, good. It's a new series starting this Easter. I think you'll enjoy it. But it's, it's, it's amazing because the reality is You're never going to be loved if you're living behind a mask. And when you take the mask off, then you find out that people were in love with the mask and not in love with you. 
It's like, oh. And I think that's one of the things that should sober us up. And for me, it, it, it's, it's a springboard of inspiration to say, let's develop a whole community where we don't wear masks, where things don't have to be hidden, you know, to, to where we can just live life and own our stuff, but work on it with Jesus and with others. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Guilt wants us to, to lead us to forgiveness so that we can be cleansed. Shame drives us to hide, convinced that we cannot be truly forgiven and will never be made clean. Because when you get to our brand of sin, the blood can only go so far. Not. Hmm. I'm having a greater revelation and a deeper appreciation of the blood of Jesus almost weekly now. There are things about the blood of Jesus that's so incredibly powerful and wonderful that we will be thinking upon it for all eternity and still never exhaust the wonder of the blood of Jesus. Mm. Meditate on that as we get ready to celebrate resurrection and especially as we come to the cross on Good Friday. Among the damaging behaviors resulting from unresolved sin, yeah, if we don't get our sin resolved, here's some of the behaviors. We become highly sensitized to our own sin and judge the sin of others. Oh, we never do that. No. We lose our objectivity in a crisis, and as a result, we become the issue. Mm. We hide our sinful behaviors and become vulnerable to more sin. I've never seen somebody get in victory over sin by hiding it. Whatever we sweep under the rug is going to come out. It's going to come out. We are unable to love or to be loved. Mm. We become more susceptible to wrong life choices. And the last damaging behavior is that we attempt to control everybody in our sphere of influence. We try to control others. So why do we, as believers, wear more masks than others? All masks are based upon pretending something in our lives is true, even if our experience denies it. And if you don't have, a, if you don't have a, a, some sense of righteous, some kind of standard of, of something that we're, we're striving toward, you can just be who you want to be. And that's the way the world is unless they're wanting to control and to manipulate so they can have more power and more influence. Mm -hmm. The greatest hope for any mask wearer is in the understanding all masks eventually crack and dissolve, gradually revealing what is hidden beneath. Now this is really interesting when when Mike and I in the counseling center was, was still going, 
we, we had this observation. It was amazing to us. And, and we just noticed that people really didn't come in for counseling until they hit about 40 years old, plus or minus a few years. Somehow when they hit 40, all of a sudden, whatever mask they were wearing to try to cover and hide the pain and the trauma in their lives, that mask was dissolving or cracking at about 40. Now there's no chapter or verse on this. This was an observation that we just noticed. It was just amazing. We noticed it. A lot of, a lot of people who had sexual abuse issues as a child, when they hit 40, all of a sudden their, their world became unmanageable. And they, and they were in need of a, of a counselor. And so we, we, we just kind of noticed that. That's interesting. All the masks eventually break down. And Mike and I, we, we hypothesize, we think God has a, a way of extending grace to us as human beings for 40 years and led us to try all our own coping mechanisms, try to deal with how sin has touched our life and how choices that we've made and the consequences of those choices. For the first 40 years, he lets us just try to figure it out on our own because usually we're not asking him. <laughs> but at 40, the pain starts to settle in and the pain becomes unbearable. And as we approach 40 as a round figure, all of a sudden the mask isn't working anymore. And the pain is what brings us in to seek help. I was kind of amazed by that, had no idea that that was true, but it, it seems to be true. There's a good thing about a mask cracking though. If it didn't, we would forever be separated from love for being authentically who we truly are and from the freedom that comes when we don't have to hide stuff. And that's the grace of God. <clears throat> so what if, what if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would not be loved less but more in the acknowledging of it? Folks, that's what the kingdom is. And inasmuch as the kingdom is in the local church, that's what the local church is. I hope we all get an aversion to mask wearing. We're all going to slip back into throwing a quick mask up, but the Holy Spirit will, will prompt us that that's what we're doing, and we can put it down. Some of the most inert masks are those religious masks because they really look good. They look holy. They look like what we think God desires. But the reality is he desires you. And that's the way you look right now to him. Not hiding behind a mask. Well, that place exists, and when we find it, it really does exist. When we find it, we find that the unresolved issues will begin to heal. We can find real healing into our lives. We can gather up all the masks and toss them in the dumpster, 
and wash our hands of them as we leave. Mm. Got a video clip that I'll show next week because we're out of time. Thanks for your patience. Let's pray. Just want you to kind of position and posture yourself before the Lord. Most of the times when we have masks on, we don't even realize we have them on. It's just how we've been able to cope, how we've been able to uh, survive. Um, all masks are not from the devil. They're usually out of pain and wounds that the enemy will try to twist and distort. But Holy Spirit, we just give you permission to help us to see what it is the Father wants to see when he looks at us. You've given us so many wonderful pictures in the scripture. My heart races to David. As he's aware of his own sin and how it's threatened his relationship with you. And this plea is, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal the word of God in our hearts so that we know that we can never be separated from your love. But we can have a false awareness that we are. That the enemy can, can bring the shame in such a way as to make us feel like we're so far removed from you that we'll never be able to know you and, and to be known by you. But Lord, nothing could be further from the truth. I pray that today would be a day, Lord, that the miracle of faith, the miracle of throwing into the dumpster all the masks that we wear and being able to genuinely be ourselves, knowing that we haven't arrived, but that we're in process. For this, we give you praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.